You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Sid Talk. What? What are you doing? I'm busy. <laughs> I'm very busy over here. Can't you tell? What are you doing? I am playing The Sims 4. <laughs> are you still playing The Sims 4 after a I have whole not week? stopped for the whole week. No. No, I... I am playing again, yet again. What we was talking about before the after the show discussion mainly was, it's in relation to this week's movie. We were looking up the true story of uh, the Four Seasons, Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons, and we uh, learned. A, I, I feel like I learned a lot because the movie is the Jersey Boys, or just Jersey Boys, true about their sort of coming to fame, and it the, it's not. Um, well, we'll go into it when we get into the movie. But yeah, the, before the after-show discussion was mainly about the movie. <laughs> so yeah, looking up truth and yeah, because you know when you see a film like a and your friend who told you a little story about his children using a landline. My friend didn't... is having a birthday party for his twins this afternoon, and a load of kids are around his house. They're having the party, and then four cops show up. Because the kids found a phone that they didn't think was real, like but it was like old, a quote-unquote old phone, which is a landline phone. And they phoned the cops, <laughs> and then the cops showed up, and the cops got fed cupcakes, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure that's a real story. That's yeah, not that's out of a story. Steve Carell movie. No, but it's a true story. <laughs> it could be. Obviously, it could be in a movie. could be in a movie, because it is pretty funny. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that just happened. So... It is Saturday, November the 15th. This is after the show number 351, the 351th podcast that we have done about movies. 351? 351th. Is that a word? No. First. 351st. So, the movie we're looking at this week is Jersey Boys. It's a 2014 movie released on the 11th of November, so you can pick this one up now. It's rated R, and it's from our friends at Warner Brothers. And Sid Talk, give us the synopsis of Jersey Boys. Let me finish yawning, and it's no reflection on you whatsoever. Um, The synopsis is, it is the story of the, well, it is a version of the story of how Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons came to be famous, and then they're just basically, like, peel off their fame, and that's the story. Nothing really too deep about anybody. I mean, a little bit on Frankie Valli, but not really. And based on the musical of the same name. Yeah, so it's a movie yeah. based on a musical, based on a book, yeah, based on somebody's fame, real life. which is sort of another layer on top of real life. So it's really, if you think this is like an autobiography or something, it is not. Yeah, it's not like J. Edgar, which is a, another Clint Eastwood uh, But that also, you don't know any tr- Don't take a movie and think you're watching the truth. No. Let's think of Titanic. Not the truth, 100%. But what I really like, um, and last week we I mentioned this about Jersey Boys. I knew about the musical, and I'm not a musical fan. And as I said before, not really a musical fan. I don't go out of my way to see a musical. And I knew this was based on the musical, and I was really hoping it isn't a musical, <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. And it isn't really a musical. No, it's, not at all, really. No, it's, it's a... I'd liken it... Another movie that I really love is The Doors, Oliver Stone's The Doors. And that's not a musical, it's that it follows the band and there's performances along the way. So yeah. you get to hear the main songs. 
this is what Jersey Boys does. If you go and see it on the stage, I'm assuming it's all about the songs, less about the story. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> but this, the way he's done it is more traditional. It's, it's just like a film, not a musical. Um, there is like a, in Jersey Boys, a breaking of the fourth wall where the characters talk to the audience on occasion. And I know that happens in the musical because we saw a clip on the Royal Variety performance. They did. The Frankie Valley suddenly turns to the camera and starts talking, like talking to you as the audience. Yeah, but you're in the theatre. Why would he be talking to you in the theatre? Well, he steps out of his part and starts telling you something so in the, the middle audience, of the song. Not tell, the camera. Telling the audience, yes. Sorry, yeah. The audience. Okay. Whereas in this movie, yeah, he's, he's they directly talk to you. In the middle of a song, they might tell not, you something. Not just him, either. Not just him. Yeah. I actually liked that at first. I thought it happens very early on in the movie and it continues all the way through. The first time it happened, I was like, oh, I don't know if that's... I don't know if I like that. Are you going to walk me through this whole movie? Yeah, I yeah. don't know if I like that. It's it's odd. That it, you know, I've seen it done in movies before, but it doesn't seem like something Clint Eastwood would necessarily do. And then... As it progressed, I was like, oh yeah, it's actually the right choice, because who better than the people in the band to tell you what they're thinking, because you don't know what they're thinking in a certain scene. Because one, there's one where he turns to the camera and says, not Frankie Valley, one of the other guys, exactly what he was thinking during that moment. I was like, there's no other way of getting that aside from a narration. Well, there is if you have a conversation about it. Yeah, or... Ex- <laughs> Which is the yeah. actual way that movies... So it's interesting how this movie's put together. Um... So I, personally, I know I know very little about Frankie Valli in the Four Seasons, aside from what I said to you this morning. I know very little about them. I've never been a fan of them. But I bet you, when they start singing the songs, you know them. Mm-hmm. Because it is that kind of music. It's like, you know it anyway. It's been in movies. The guy in the movie said it. It's like it's woven into... Like, the, like I know this sounds really pretentious... But it was a good description. It's wo- that music is woven into like the fabric of American life, and not just American. No life. matter how well, no American life is that you will hear it in some commercials. You'll see it in movies if you've ever watched any Happy Days. If you've ever, I mean, the tone of it, the idea of it, and you just know it. Like your grandparents would have some. My mother would. She doesn't have music, but I mean, a lot of people's parents would have old records and. Yeah, so you know, even me, a British person. Who, all my the music that form my formative years, all the music, it even got into me somehow. Probably from Greece because he does sing Greece. Yeah, the seventies um, there was a big revival of the fifties. So you had yeah. Happy Days in Greece, and that's when like the oldies, the golden oldies started being on the radio, like whole hours, whole afternoons of forties, fifties, and sixties. You know that was like a thing. And, and I did watch a lot of movies. Um, I remember The Wanderers. I don't know if anybody on, who listens to this podcast has seen The Wanderers, but it's a it's a it's about fifties and it's about the biker gang and the kind of jo- uh, what they called the ones who wear the um, the jacket with the A on it or whatever, uh, like just the high school students. Yeah, or, and it's the like jock. and they're in a diner. It's there's a diner where they all hang out and fights break out and all that. And the music over the top of that was Frankie Valli and stuff like that. Right, and you'd watch American Graffiti, it's probably in True. there. If you watch Diner, it's going to be in there. True. If you watch uh, Food Fight, Animal House, it's, there's going to be some of that in there. I mean, there just is. So it even good. got into me, and every song, they, nearly almost every song they sang in this Jersey Boys, I knew. Just from all osmosis. I have to do. Sherry, baby. See, there you go. And then you're like, oh, yeah. 
I, you know where I feel I heard that on a commercial. I feel you're that, that a was a commercial. Face about my singing ability. I'm so told. <laughs> <laughs> think anybody with headphones is like, whoa. Yeah, taking them off. Oh. Um, so the music, um, yeah, definitely knew all of it. And what I was, it's about Clint Eastwood's films, really. I like Clint Eastwood's style of filmmaking. It's fairly straightforward. And I feel like it was in this movie, aside from the fact that they turn to the camera and talk. I mean, that's slightly a different stylized thing. But his filmmaking is fairly straightforward and to the point. Mm-hmm. And, but, but really high quality. Very. Like high quality sets. High quality performances, as we'll get to later, but I'll say it now. It's like, I'm, I'm in, I'm enthralled. With each person. Like, I can't, I just find myself like, what, they're so committed. And then you find out later why they're so good at the roles, but we'll right. talk about that later. But everybody was amazing. And that, I think, I said, I think people, when you've been told you're going to do a movie and Clint East was the director, do you think you're shitting in your pants? Particularly the, a lot of these people have never been in movies before, right. really. Like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, it's Clint Eastwood. I, I need to figure out. How not to be the weak link in this chain. Because if you come to set and you're shitty, it's either you're going to get not get be able to stay in it or you're going to make bring it all down. Like, and Christopher Walken said, it's great to be good in a good movie. It's fine to be so-so in a so-so movie. But you can't be so-so in a good movie because then you stand out and yeah. everybody sees it. And I think you come to that thinking, oh my God, Christopher Walken, Clint Eastwood... Frankie Valley, I can't be crappy. And I think that elevates people a lot. There, there was actually two really awesome comments that came from the extras of this movie. And what that one from Christopher Walken, which I thought was really, I was like, wow, that's really kind of interesting. It's admitting that he knows he's so-so or crappy even. Yeah, like sometimes. if you're crappy in a crappy movie, yeah. you can add another layer to that. If you're crappy in a crappy movie, doesn't matter. And my other really awesome quote about this movie, if you watch the extras, is the young guy who plays Frankie Valley said to Clint Eastwood, how do you keep so much energy and everything because you're so old? And Clint Eastwood's response was, just don't let the old man in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really good. Which one. I thought was like, and he said, well, I'm going to remember that forever. And isn't I was like, like I'm going to remember that forever. That's like my mom's attitude, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I'm not old just because you I'm think like, I, like I say too, I like play video games. I, I, I expect to be an 80-year-old man who still <laughs> loves the video games and uh, Star Wars, right? You shouldn't just stop with what you like, right? Or stop, you know suddenly become that old person who's not you know got no life about them or anything so that's pretty interesting and they're both in the extras so if you want some yeah. life coaching <laughs> well no you've just given it to <laughs> there's the advice for the day but yeah the, the the story of Frankie Valley, I didn't know what to expect I mean I know that they became they became a famous band the four seasons everybody's heard of them but um the twists and turns along the way are quite interesting they are, and you have to decide if you believe it all or not, because it's not from anything factual. It's not from any, it's people telling stories, and other people saying that's bullshit, and other people saying, yeah, but you forgot this. So the theme of everyone remembers their own way, you have to keep that in mind. And it- the fact that they became famous, you cannot deny. You can't deny which songs they did. And you can't when deny they did certain them. facts about who they were married to, children they've had, there's tragedy in the movie, others that you can look into but as far as like those individual interactions 
it's all it's a hundred percent down to how everybody remembers it because you're never you, you're you're not there with the camera to see it happen. So. I wasn't expecting it to be uh, actually as funny as it was too because it was actually kind of funny at the beginning, especially when they go and do that heist type deal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I wasn't expecting. But then that. you think, did that really happen? Yeah, did that? You know, that seems like too much. That seems like a movie. Or was scenario. it like they did that, but it was actually only, and then the director and the writer said, let's. You know, make it bigger, and it felt movie-ish. But was it real? You know, him standing under the thing and singing, and the police yeah. officer saying, "Why are you singing?" You know, all that seemed like a scene from a movie to me. But you know, who knows who happens or not. During the movie, though, it, it's entertaining, and there are funny moments throughout it. I thought, as well as you know, like any good story of somebody's Laughed, life, cried, and, contemplated, life. and actually, you know, with with a lot of musicals, I sit there, and this is it's not a musical musical numbers. I sit there and I'm bored, like, I want them to stop. But in this, I enjoyed the performances. It was like... I was captivated by him singing, even though I totally... I'll say this, I forgot to say. I do not like the style of Frankie Valli singing. I never have. No. Ever, ever, ever. I've never liked listening to it. It's just stuck in your mind, isn't it? Because it's very distinct. And in this movie, this guy who does him does the same thing. And that, I'm not a fan of. However, watching him... And knowing then later why he falls into it so well, I was. I mean, we can say that we can say why. Um, Well, the cast is the cast of the four main, three of the main guy, three of the guys are actually from the casts of theatrical. I mean, um, theater, the musical. Yeah, not from Broadway necessarily, but the musical. He traveled all over the country and watched all different shows, companies they call them, and picked three of the different actors from just there so they've never been in they've been in some movies and stuff I looked and they were in very minimal right so he picked them so he said I asked them how many times have you done this he goes because we've done rehearsals on other movies and you come a few times and they said "Uh, 1200 times (laughs) (laughs) and I think I understand there's two ways of thinking about it either you're just um, it's not acting anymore you're just falling into that role and it's easy to be repetitive and do the same emotions and the same affectations and you know once you've figured out the way that's successful then you do it over and over and it's fine or you can think about it like this that after 1200 times you can still pull and he still pulls like there's there's facial movements and and body gestures I think especially and, when they're performing and he does the the dancing like this very absolutely. specific dancing Yeah it it just I looked at some you performances of Frankie Valli and it, it's it like it is exactly it And you can tell they've done it Yeah so many times that they're in sync with each Look other Look at each other at the right you know the, And it's not like it's boredom that was what I thought. If you do it that many times, you're going to come to a point where you're just like... And yeah. a lot of people would be going through the motions. Let's get this fucking show over with so I can go home and go to bed or whatever. But in this, I just didn't feel that. So I think it was choosing the those people. And they're not actors that you'd be familiar with. In fact, I just felt like I was familiar with them almost immediately. I was 100% sure I had seen that one guy before. But but then when you look, <laughs> they've not been in anything. Um but obviously, uh, also what that lends to the movie is, and this is a problem in some of these type of movies, where they do, like, lip syncing. So, Moulin Rouge, for instance, some of the things were performed in the studio and then they lip sync on the stage. Same with Chicago. Um, and it it just seems funky when you're watching it. It's like, uh, Yeah, but yeah. they sang it originally. They did, but then they put it on, like... 
There are scenes in this movie, and the one in particular I'm thinking about is where they come up with the... where they stood in the bar with the two girls in black, the two waitresses. That one there seemed like that was actually what we were listening to, them singing. I see what you're saying. On yeah, the, live dialogue. Yeah, like. live, you know, we're just riffing and singing. You know, it's not pre-planned. It's like, let's sing that song now and we'll record it. Well, it's pre-planned. Yeah, but, but it not... Yeah. They didn't have to loop. Recorded perfectly over there. And they then, didn't loop it. Know. Yeah, they don't do that in this movie, so it doesn't... They do. There's many times when they're not singing it right now. I didn't now. notice that. Oh, yeah, of course. The ones on the stage and stuff, they're they're not singing it always live. They might have been singing it live, because they do it anyway. But yeah. you could tell it was laid over the top. I think right at the very end, they were singing it live, too, and the uh, little, you know, out in the street number. That looked oh, when they were stood underneath it. I didn't the... feel like it was. So. Oh, did to me. Um... And that was one of the things I really liked about it, that it didn't have that looping. <laughs> that you perceived it not having. <laughs> no, and some movies really have that looping. Like like Chicago, I remember, the one where John C. Riley sings. It's not. Ju- it's like John C. Riley sang in a different room that doesn't sound like where he is now, and now he's mouthing the words, and it's a bit odd to me. Like, But uh, yeah, the, the music was fantastic in this movie. Really good. Um... So let's move on to the cast. Um, Vincent Piazza plays Tommy DeVito. Now, Tommy's like the asshole of the bunch. Absolutely. And he plays a really good asshole. Like, I just wanted to punch him the entire time. But not just that. But I mean, he's really good. Like, he... I don't know about the Jersey accent. Because to me, I'm going to be sold on it no matter what. And if you're from Jersey... And that seems like old school Jersey accent as well. I don't know that that still exists. We watch people who've lived in Jersey their whole life. Yeah. On comic book men, they don't have that. They have a little leftover of that. Yeah. And that's how they talk. I've listened to their podcast. The, the one guy, the one guy from that stupid show ugh, that I hate, he's got a little more of that old school, but it's not like these guys. It's not that really, you know, like... Uh, yeah, tough guy. What you think, yeah. So I don't know if it's exaggerated, if it's right, but he is smooth and I am, I'm convinced that's the guy. Like, they have gone back in time and pulled him up and said, look, we need you. We, we've come back to 1959 and we need you to come to the future with us and be in this movie about you. And that's also one of the things. Because he locks you- eyes with everybody. He's that familiar touchy-feely thing. I mean, all the little stuff as you're watching him. And then when he gets mad, you f- I feel menaced like, uh. Yeah, he's super intimidating. The I most intimidating the- scene for me was when he went into that. You know where the new guy joined the band, and then he they were in that weird cellar with all that, like, stolen goods. Yeah, yeah. And he was, like, kind of saying, <laughs> you can take some of our stolen goods, and that's... Uh, and that's when you're going to And then you're me. with us. And you're yeah. going to owe me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was you just intimidating. You a sense of menace. Yeah, because he was always up to no good, like, in the background. And ultimately, I, I just, like, know from the beginning, this guy is going to be a problem in this band. <laughs> yeah. You don't want this guy in your band. Maybe you should knock him out now before the band gets But from popular. his point of view, none of it would have happened without him. Yeah, and, the, and you know, from what the movie portrays, you could argue that that would be correct. But we don't know the full true story. Exactly. So, uh, secondly, um, John Lloyd Young plays Frankie Valli, and he was my favourite thing of the whole movie. I think he was incredibly, like, like when you said, I th- I think that's Frankie Valli. Oh, no, not me. Not for him, but for the other guy. Yeah. Not for Frankie Valli. Yeah, and, I mean, from now too, on, fr- that's fam- Frankie Valli. Right, not to me, because I'm yeah. too familiar with what Frankie Valli actually looks like. 
So And I'm not at all until He's I always look. but Val Kilmer's not Jim Morrison. Jim Morrison's Jim Morrison. No, but there is a bit of a blurred line for me <laughs> between them both. Yeah, there is a bit. Right. So I can never not think of Val Kilmer and Jim Morrison, you know? When I think of The Doors and then the movie comes into my mind and then Val Kilmer also comes into my mind. So it'll always be joined together. So this will now. You're a puppet on a string. But this guy, um, (laughs) you play um, John Lloyd Young. Um, You might not like that falsetto singing, but it's really impressive to do that singing. It's impressive to me and I don't really know. I mean, if that's what you can do... Then it's not necessarily like, oh my god, it's like amazing, but it's what he can do, and he's honed in on it. Yeah. He even said in the extras, I never thought I'd ever be able to use that in my I know whole I can career. do it, but... Never thought anyone would ever want it. Then I got the role in Jersey Boys on stage, and then, you know, so... Got to use it, yeah. So if Frankie Valley has it, and this guy has it, it's got to be a thing. I think Bono was trying a little bit on the latest album. I don't like that at all. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't no. mind it now. I've listened to it. The first time I heard it, and I was in the car, and I was like, what is he doing? So it's down, down a bit. Down, boy. Down, Bono. Down. Let That's too your, high. Let go of your balls and let it all flow. Like the edge was... <laughs> <laughs> giving him a... Maybe squeeze. he saw this movie, and he was like, I can do that shit. Yeah. Well, leave For that like alone. one line boy. of a song. Um, then we had um, Eric Bergen, who played Bob Gordio. And Bob Gordio has like a... The character of Bob Gordio, the real guy, he is like a huge deal to the Four Seasons. When you think of Frankie Valli, don't you? You just think of... But this guy, like, was a big, you know... Wrote all, wrote the music. Yeah. Yeah. Came up with songs, like a genius songwriter. He like, came up a with hit. their a hit. hits. Yeah. Like, um, well, as they portrayed it in the film, I can't say if it's true or not. Like, go and write some hits, and then in, like, the space of what? What did it say? Two, two days? He'd come up with four hits. Like... Because he said, I've got to go and sit in my room and write these hits because that's what they want. And he comes back and he's got, what, Sherry, Sherry Baby and the ones that you all know. like. So, you know, they wouldn't have been the Four Seasons without him either. Like it's That's the point of the whole thing. Each no. person says they contribute what they contribute. Yeah. And then, unfortunately, I think the Nick Massey guy character. Yeah, the fourth Four season. Because he does the ball, 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 ball. He Yeah, does that. which is interesting. Right? But there's nothing... They don't portray him as being necessary, and I think in life that's how everybody. Not that he wasn't necessary, but I mean that he wasn't as impactful. He was older he also, than the others. Also, he the movie's wrong about when he left. He left way years and years before that. Right? Did he so, leave for that reason though? I don't remember what it said. Why it just said that because I was reading that. I mean, it's, it's very movieish in the movie when he leaves. Yeah. Also, I mean, it's a very movieish moment to me, but it was really impactful. But, you know, in real life, did that happen? Like It's like Oasis. They split up and there was some kind of argument. But then but then all you have is each of their story to yeah, tell nobody, you what happened. You know, it's some legendary thing that people yeah. talk, you know, but who knows? Like it there was a guy nothing. in the hall at the hotel, heard him yelling at each other. And then 10 years later, he tells a reporter that. And then, <laughs> and then <laughs> <you know? laughs> in years and years to come, when they both speak about it, it could be nothing. Like, it, none of that. Like, it, so you never know. Do you? Are you comparing Oasis to the Four Seasons? True. <laughs> Oh, no, I'm sorry. You always compare Oasis to the Beatles, that other little band that was happening around the same time. So, yeah, that Nick Massey was played by Michael Lameda. They all played it really well, though. Really well, really well. Mike Doyle plays Bob Crew. Um, Bob Crew is the, like, kind of flamboyant... Um, well, they portray him as flamboyant-ish. Not very flamboyant, just uh, just 
skirting the line and he is the what well, all I could think of was his producer. Like Yeah, he, producer, that's what he is. But he also kind of Oh uh, yeah, he takes them into the studio. She, yeah, yeah. Cool. He picks the songs that they're gonna do and yeah. Yeah, and you know, there's a bit of like rubbing up against him because like he some, wants that he wants them to be backing singers for other artists at first. Well, I think what it what I got from that was he saw something he wanted to get them on on his, his name. Yeah, he didn't know what to do with them yet, but he didn't want anyone else grabbing them up. Now I don't know in real life, but it was true that for a year they had to do backup singing and backup vocals, all that stuff for other bands. Yeah, or groups, singers, whatever. This Four Seasons isn't even a band, is it? It's a, a group, isn't it? A boy but, band. Well, I guess day. it is a band, because they played the bass. No, they did the, play the yeah, bass. Yeah, they did. Band, yeah. I don't yeah. think of them as a band. No, I it's think of them weird. as a vocal group. But You know why I think, who I think of as bands? <laughs> when I think of a band, I think of, like, Poison and Rat. <laughs> and Warrant and Metallica. They're all step-up level. I think level. of Bush I'll and Oasis. And... I don't think of them as bands <laughs> I don't even think or of anything. Be- I don't even think of the Beatles as a band. Yeah, they're a band. They're Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Heart Club. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> played music. Why? Yeah, they all played instruments. What happened in my head? I have no idea. They're probably the ultimate <laughs> band. <laughs> no, not necessarily. Um, so also Christopher Walken plays Jip DiCarlo. You too as a band. <laughs> I love Christopher Walken. He's just... <laughs> yeah. He's like a raw nerve on the stage, on yes. the screen though. It's like... Like, you know what to expect from him, always, I think. And then occasionally does that. Yeah, like I mean, I just feel or... like it's just him. Like, that's what he is, you know? Like, <laughs> my favourite performance or my favourite scene, and it's only a very small scene, but it's awesome, is the scene in Pulp Fiction where he's telling the child oh. about the grandfather's watch. Oh, that's not my favourite. My favourite is True Romance when he's telling the story about that's Vietnam. Awesome. <laughs> that's yeah. like There's similar type of scenes, to be honest, because there's a shock value to it, to both of them. It like. is true. Oh, yeah. true romance is so good. But like, like when you realize that Walken in Pulp Fiction is talking to a child about what he's talking about. Oh, that's the Vietnam story. What he's telling the guy, what he's telling Dennis Hopper is. Oh, oh that's the, the that's also yeah. got a shock value. To it's it. horrible. It's, about, it's horrible. Yeah. And you know, oh, that's a, that. I have to say is one of the top. I think. Okay, I haven't seen every movie in the movies I've ever seen. That scene has to be in like the top ten of. Intimidation. Dialogue. No, just overall. Dialogue. Them against each other. And the moment you see Dennis Hopper's character accept exactly what's going what's down. The, um, what's the uh, connection aside from um, Christopher Walken being in both of those good scenes? What's the connection? I don't know. Tarantino wrote both of those movies. True. He didn't um, write this one. No, not this one. <laughs> um, oh, true. But yeah, Christopher Walken's an interesting. I, you know, what was the one where like he was all tied up in a chair? That one was awesome too. Where they tied him up in a chair. Those dudes. Mm. You remember that, right? Like they were kind of like students or something, and they. I don't know if I saw it. No, I'd have to. Anybody out there is listening? <laughs> Christopher Walken's tied up in a chair, and some dudes are like torturing him. Because they want something from him. I can't remember what it is. Is it funny? It's kind of funny. Hmm. It'd be hard to find what it is because, you know. I'll see what I can do. All right, so um, and finally I put down Renee Marino plays Mary. I liked her. Yeah, and she was a female 
you know, she was Frankie Valli's first wife. wife. First wife. I think first. Yeah. Yeah. In the movie, we don't get the full no. history of his life. He was married three times. It's pretty Maybe vague, four by now. The, the back of his life. Yep. We know he married early. And there's problems. Because he keeps going on the road. She doesn't like it. And that, I think, unintentionally, we get a portrayal of a dude who is that fame hunger. He's hungry for fame, hungry for that life, right? But on the road, he claims it's all for family. But in the process, he admits openly, even in real life, he neglected his entire family just for the fame. So I think that that was reflected in the movie, just yeah. subtly, but it's actually a bigger picture is, yeah, like, like, why do we revere these people? We love their music, but they do leave a wake of destruction behind a lot of times. And that sounds like that was the truth in his, when you read up till now, even he's got sort of a trail of every girlfriend, every wife says, you're never, ever yeah. as important as that. Yeah, the the focal, you know, yeah. whatever they. And you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna be ambitious, that's the way it is, I suppose. Here's another link to two movies: um, Christopher Walken, Frankie Valli. Christopher Walken was just in a movie with Frankie Valli, somebody playing Frankie Valli. That in the Deer Hunter, Christopher Walken <laughs> is in a movie with a Frankie Valli song over the top of him, which is yours just too good to be true. Five Dollars a Day was really good, if you remember. Yeah, that was Christopher Walken. Really good. No, Christopher Walken's good. I, I, mm-hmm. you know, he he definitely, um, he definitely plays what you expect most times. But I really like what he does with it. My favorite thing in this movie, Jersey Boys, was when he he was leaving the room, and we just heard a story about that guy going in the sink, having a piss in the sink. Okay. And he turns and he says, "Don't you go in my bathroom?" Like, yeah. <laughs> it looks like it. He was actually found that funny. Christopher yeah. Walken found that funny, or it was ad libbed or something. It was because he had a real funny face and, yeah. the, like, in a really heated moment, is able to make you remember that's Christopher Walken and he's weird. charming and funny. <laughs> um, and so this is directed by Clint Eastwood. We all know Clint Eastwood, and he's still making movies. And every time he makes a movie, which is very regular, I always say, "Oh, Clint Eastwood." I like in the extras on Blu-rays for Clint Eastwood. They don't. Like, beat around the bush of, like, going, oh, we're not going to show Clint Eastwood. They show him doing his craft and they talk to him. You know, like like what I'm saying, like, Paul Thomas Anderson, he's like the mysterious ghost in the background that nobody or ever... Or the ultimate one is Malik. Or Malik, yeah. Who's, like, doesn't really Clint Eastwood's exist. not scared of, like, telling the camera... When they even he... show pictures of Malik, it's like this blurred image in the background... Yeah, they're trying of, to be... ...that he's, like, mysterious. He doesn't talk about stuff. And neither does Paul Thomas Anderson much, um... The great filmmakers, but they don't like the public bit of it. But Clint Eastwood doesn't seem to care. He's done it enough his entire life. He actually makes a cameo in this movie. <laughs> I think it's around about like, a few dollars more. Don't know. Appears on one of the TV screens, um, and he's very you know. And you're like, oh, look, that's Clint Eastwood. But yeah, it's, it was Clint Eastwood sixty years ago. Sixty years ago, <laughs> and he's still as handsome now as he Probably was then. Sixty. Yeah, it would be sixty. I mean, he's awesome, Clint Eastwood. I mean. The body of work, he's going to, like... And he's always worked for Warner Brothers. You are just about to say, when he's dead. <laughs> and he... Yeah. But how about now? If we look at him now and celebrate the fact that he's still alive... They've been cel- Warner Brothers have been celebrating him recently. They put out, like, a box set of all Clint Eastwood's Dude, movies. they're trying to do that, so... Like, There's a Clint Eastwood building in Warner Brothers. Like, uh, not a building, like a, a big, huge... The lot. music thing, isn't it? Yeah. Like, his name on it or something? Yeah, he's part of Warner Brothers. And, you know, he's been with them... For 60 years, like you say, or more. He's got his own bungalow. 
where he writes True. his music. And he, forget he's a composer. He writes music for his movies. He's a jazz. Probably not this he one. He likes jazz music. I mean, he plays jazz music. Um, he's you just... You didn't put Gran Torino on there. Oh, yes, you did. Yeah, I did. I put some of his movies down that he directed anyway. He's obviously starred in movies also, but I put... He directed Million Dollar Baby, Gran Torino, Unforgiven, mm-hmm. Invictus, which was awesome, Changeling, and Space Cowboys. Now, what's interesting, actually, is Invictus. There's another one. I'm not interested in rugby. At all. Um, I remember going, oh, a, a rugby movie? But it's directed by Clint Eastwood? Okay. It's M- Nelson Mandela. And then it being really captivating. Like, Jason I don't know Bourne. this story. It's Jason Bourne and Nelson Mandela and Clint Eastwood. Yeah, and it's a <laughs> really interesting story. And oh, yeah, the same really with does. Jersey Boys. I was like, I don't know if I'm interested in Jersey Boys. I have to say, I wasn't looking for... I'm having a shitty Or J. Edgar. I don't know I was necessarily into... J. Edgar. I was, I was like, looking forward to that because I like DiCaprio. Well, personally, I was, well, I like DiCaprio, but J. Edgar's story, I was like, I don't know if I'll be interested. I'm not into that. I don't field. think, and also, you know, the thing about Clint Eastwood, he's not necessarily interested in the truth. If you notice. No, he likes to paint a glamorous picture, I think. Glamorous and gutting sometimes. But like, not there's the dark too side. Much. Right. And he likes to tweak it enough to make it interesting. And if you want to find out the truth. And you know why? Because I f- feel he's like from the old days. He's actually from the old days of, of filmmaking <laughs> where films were kind of like, you know, it, it wasn't about being gritty. It was about like a pick me up and everybody inspiring and, you know. And mm-hmm. I feel like he always brings that. He doesn't ever go too dark. I don't think Gran Torino's very uplifting. But it is, though. It has an uplifting, even though it has violence and stuff, it has an uplifting message to it. Um, yeah, but... I don't think, I don't think Dirty Harry's Million very Million Dollar uplifting. Baby's not very uplifting. Not really. I mean, you can paint a pretty picture an over the top message of it. What, that loving someone and life is horrible? I mean, he made those... <laughs> he made... When he starred in movies like Dirty, the Dirty Harry movies he's really famous for, those were just like violent movies. That's all they were, really, right? Gratuitous, violent 70s movies. The westerns he was in, they were very violent westerns. They weren't, like, sugar-coated either. No, so, not today's kind of violence. You had choreographed fights and... No, but, I mean, they were, they were... They were... They were manly. They were the I'm wild quotes bunch. around that. They were... You know, here's what men do. They protect shit and steal shit and kill each other. But Dirty Harry was... And unfortunately, in those movies, there were lots of sexual assaults and women being protected or women being thrown aside as nothingness. And so we can't paint a perfect picture of his movie history. No. But when he started making movies, imagine Clint Eastwood directing a Bond movie. It wouldn't be super glamorous, though, or shiny. So I, li- I like in Clint Eastwood's like directing because he's all over the place. I don't mean his style. I mean like he chooses this subject and that subject. Not none of it. Can- oh yeah, I like it to Steven Spielberg. I mean, look at that, as Space well. Cowboys. Total yeah. comedy. Was he just in it or did he direct it? He was both. Right. Gran Torino, hardcore. And the Changeling's serious, interesting. You know, very. But I feel I like that to Steven Spielberg, who also chooses. He'll go off and do a Jurassic Park, and then he'll go and do um, the, terminal. the Terminal. Yeah. yeah or. or you know, Catch me if you can. Yeah, or and the, or then he'll go really serious, Saving Private Ryan, or, you know. The one you're not talking about, which is the black and white one, and I can't think of the name of it. Schindler's, Schindler's List. List. Oh, my God. Or that really awesome one with Eric Barn... Barn what was that one? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, that, that was Steven Spielberg, and that's a serious... Munich. Munich. Yeah. Serious, like an... Like, woo, no, there's no comedy in that. No. So, Steven Spielberg has that 
I'm just interested in this particular story. I'm going to tell it. And I feel Clint Eastwood's the same. I'm, I'm interested in this story that I can tell and make a lot of money. Let's not, let's not pretend like they're doing it for no reason. Hmm. Oh my God. Don't be naive. Well, I would think think they've got enough money. It doesn't matter. He's been making movies the whole time, and if you had to make movies in 1975 to make money, then you're still going to have to make movies now to make money. So extras on this Blu-ray, Jersey Boys. Um, I'm I'm jaded. What can I say? There isn't actually many extras. There's three extras. It's actually probably 25 minutes in total if you watch all three of them. It's from Broadway to the big screen. Too good to be true, and oh, what a night to remember. Now, what they are. And they are pretty good, actually. For their yeah, really good. Clint Eastwood speaks a lot. The cast speak a lot. The people who are involved—you don't see Frankie Valli, unfortunately, Mm-mm. even though he's an executive producer. But you do see like the people who did the original stage musical and how it came to the big screen. Um, I felt like it was enough information. Absolutely. Well, um, yeah, because if you want to then go look up other stuff, like we did, which I was interested after that, I don't even listen to some more of the music. And listen to those songs. I've always up. liked "Oh What a Night." Oh, what a night! You know, from this. Yeah, I always liked that. Song. Never knew it was the Four Seasons. I can honestly say, "My hand to God," as that Tommy guy would say, "Hand to God." Yeah, my hand to God. Uh, I did not know that was the Four Seasons. I don't. I can't help it. It's just a, how I haven't paid attention in the last forty-seven years of my life. So, in conclusion, here, um, you know, I didn't know what to expect. I knew it was a Clint Eastwood film. Um, I don't feel like you need to love this subject matter to get some entertainment out of it. It's just an interesting story of a group of musicians who, you know, it's, stood out from everybody else at the yeah, time. Yeah, and it kind of not not there's the link is very intangible here. But we just watched God's Pocket a while back, and the idea, some of the idea of this Jersey thing, also is implanted in there that they're loyal and they don't give up on each other necessarily. I mean. In theory, and there's a certain. This is why they are who and how they are because they're from this place, right. and it's got a hold of them. God's pockets the same. You're you're from you there, and it, you get it. it. Yeah, yeah, you get the whole thing about that was so good, wasn't it? God, yeah, there's okay. like a there's like a code between everybody yeah. that everybody doesn't even have to discuss. It's known. Like you do this for somebody, you do that for somebody. You know, same. But yeah, that. The reason these two guys, one a complete asshole and the other guy kind of... He explains. There's only three ways to get out of here. You go to prison. You... What was the other one? You die. (laughs) Or you you become famous. famous. That was it. You die was one of them, yeah. Or you get mobbed up, I think he said. Correct. You either just go to jail, you get mobbed up, or you go get become famous. Right, and... You know, there's a point in this movie where that Jersey thing kicks in where he's like, I can just let my friend go here or I have to help him because we're from Jersey like we help each other even though he's been a complete ass like so yeah it kicks in at one point Um, so yeah I thoroughly enjoyed it I'm looking forward to the next Clint Eastwood movie which will probably come in about two months because he's very busy making movies (laughs) I say don't be afraid of the musical side of it because it's just the Four Seasons songs just sung as And it's not a musical. No. No. It's no not singing of lyrics. And, and sometimes it's really subtle and it only lasts like a few seconds. And, you know, I'm not a musical fan either necessarily. Even though I went to one last night and I'm going to the same one again tonight. Beauty and the Beast. High school performance. But. So, yeah. It's had a few too many songs for me. But to be honest, I'm going to. Not, 
Oh yeah, that did. Jersey Boys <laughs> didn't. I was like, whenever they sang, and sometimes in this type of movie, I'm definitely like, oh, please, no, not another one. But I was actually, oh, that song, I know that song, that's a cool song. <laughs> so yeah, Jersey Boys, it's available now, you can get it. Uh, so contest, hey, interesting, I won a copy of Jersey Boys this week. You did? <laughs> like, that. this is un... un- Unplanned and unrelated to me reviewing Jersey Boys today. <laughs> but Warner Brothers had a contest on Twitter to retweet their message and then you might win a copy of Jersey Boys. And I just retweet their messages because I so often find they appear on com in my Twitter feed. And they usually have interest to my readers anyway. Like, oh, what's coming out from Warner Brothers or what's coming out from whoever. So I retweeted it, and then I got a message a couple of minutes later that says, uh, you're a winner of our Jersey Boy contest. I was like, wow, that's never happened before. Because you retweeted it first? It was just, they just picked one at random from mm-hmm. all the retweets. Uh, so what I'm going to do is give that away. So I'm going nice. to put up a contest on the site this week, because I don't need two copies of Jersey Boys. So look out on aschoolie.com this week, and you can win a Blu-ray copy of Jersey Boys. Thank you to me for winning that to give to you. <laughs> Am I excluded from this competition? Yes, you're excluded. We already own a copy. So... What uh, are we? Joined to the hip? <laughs> next week's Blu-ray review will be Into the Storm, and we will be looking at that next week. A big uh, tornado movie. Natural disaster movie. We like to call those in the trade. Yeah. One of those. So, uh, yeah, we're looking at Into the there Storm. There been many of them in the last few years. No. Think about it. No. Because we had a big run of them. There's volcanoes and tornadoes and... Aliens, you know, like Independence Day. That's not a natural disaster. That's alien. Unnatural disaster. No, a natural disaster is a natural thing. Which, really, when you think about it, it's only like hereafter by Clint Eastwood. That's not about the tsunami, though. No, but there is a natural disaster. I'm talking about a movie that's all about natural disasters, which this one looks like it is. Twister was. Volcano was. Twister was a natural disaster. (laughs) I like Twister. (laughs) I went to see it in the theater three times. You like the ending of Twister? I'm not going to jump on the bandwagon and be like every other whining piece of shit in the world and say, oh, it's just so late. The whole movie's eradicated or is erased from my mind because of the end. No, you know what? I didn't particularly get it because I'm not a romantic person. I don't understand the physics of being <laughs> attached to a whale. To a whale. Yeah, that was in a, a good part. I remember that part. But the thing is... Um, you watch people fight with lightsabers in a galaxy far, far fucking away and decide that that's perfectly acceptable. Yeah, but hold on. Twister no. was never, never set in a fire. I don't care. It was supposed I don't to be realistic. Care what you're trying... No. The rest of the movie was... It's not supposed to be realistic. A house rolls across the road. It is that's an what exaggeration. happens in a Twister. No, it isn't. It does. It, do- it does not. It is an exaggeration of what happens. That's what movies do. So if people are going to pick on a thing and say, well, oh God, that's so unrealistic, then every movie that has any fantasy in it, you need to Best thing about Trista, Philip Seymour Hoffman. You didn't even remember he was in it. I did. No, you didn't. Because I said to you, don't remember it because when he passed away. Well, that's definitely the best thing and about And I said, it. and he was in Twister, and you're like, was he? Worst thing about said, Trista, <laughs> Helen Hunt. You just don't like Helen Hunt. <laughs> I don't like it. So you don't like the end, you don't like Helen Hunt. No. Uh-uh. So it was never going to be fine for you. I happened to be on my own that summer, and I went to every movie I could get my hands on. And in one day, I think I went to see four in a row. I liked the special effects, I remember. It was the year of Twister, Fourth uh, Independence Day, Volcano, Dante's Peak. I went and saw them all multiple times. So, movie Wait. recommendations for this week? <laughs> Twister. 
I am going. No, just, I am going with on the theme of Jersey Boys. I'm going with Greece because if you remember, and I had to look this up, but I did have a glimmering of it in my mind that the opening tune of Greece, Greece is the word, is actually sung by Frankie Valli, and he appears in the movie. He actually sings it in the movie. Like at the, it's during the opening credits, he sings it. Um, right. So yeah, he sings Greece, and every most people know that tune, Greece. If you lived through the 70s and 80s. 70s, really, wasn't it? Um, and my other one is Goodfellas, because, you know, the narration and people speaking to the camera, totally obvious, they do that in Goodfellas. Um, and, you know, the Jersey thing. There is a connection. Joe Pesci, there's a connection. Yeah, they mentioned Joe Pesci in here. Yeah. That he was, they knew him when they were kids. He mm-hmm. He's a character when they're younger, and then we never revisit him. No. Again, except for... There's definitely a link to Goodfellas in there somewhere. Uh, so, yeah, Goodfellas in Greece. It's because everything in the universe is linked to everything else in the universe. Hello. <laughs> and yours are? Mine are... Uh, this I found accidentally because I was going through my list on IMDb, on which there are 2,300 and something now. Because you can make, like, lists, and I've got one of all the movies that I'm trying to keep track of all the ones I've ever watched. And they're... Plus whole TV series. If I watched every episode of a TV series, like M.A.S.H., or Bob's Burgers, up until now, you know, whatever. I'll put, I'll mark that as a thing. Only if I've completed it. So, there's 2,315 things on my list. And I was just zooming through it one day and I was like, oh, committed. I forgot about that. It's like this quirky, um, do you remember that? With the, yeah. She sits in the car outside of the place and I don't even remember what it was about hardly. Yeah, I remember. But I really like, it was about, who was her name? Heather. We know her. She's British. I think her name was Heather. Um, so it's called Committed. It's really funny. And it's from a few years ago, though. Like early 2000s, I think. And my other one is, because I was thinking, in this one, you see sort of a, the threat of mob connections, you know, but still in a movie way. You yeah. see the Tommy guy is sort of an exaggeration. The guy who comes to collect the money for the debt. Um, the Christopher Walken character, it's all very movie-ish, and you know what I mean. It's Hollywooded up. So what's a movie that's about people who live that life? You know, even Sopranos, it felt gritty and stuff at times, and then it became more Hollywoody to me. Nil by mouth, to me, it's like you. Fe- I feel like if I went into that part of that city, I would find those people for real. You know what I mean? Like the threat, the guy in the apartment with her and the... All of it. So, nil... And, you know, it's a, it's hardcore. Nil by man. Yeah, Gary British Oldman movie. directed that. It's the only True. movie that Gary Oldman has directed, actually. And has his sister in it. Mo from EastEnders. But it's True. really good. It's a real, It's kind of a dark, gritty... Ugh. Yeah, it's really it's really violent and yeah. very... Yeah. Unpleasant, but really good movie. <laughs> so, games and Ace Scully stuff this week. Um, I've played some more Call of Duty Advanced Warfare. It's really good, as I said last week. And I finished the story this week, and I really enjoyed the campaign. I think it's the best campaign they've done for many years. Um, mostly down to Kevin Spacey being in it, because he kind of elevates it a lot with his performance. Also, whatever they use for doing the motion capture and stuff, it's amazing. Like, it, it really... Like... There's times where you look at it and you don't realize that it's computer characters. They just feel like actors. Not Kevin Spacey is probably the worst one in it. The ones that you don't know who they are, they, they're better. Because I think you've seen Kevin Spacey enough 
to spot the flaws in a CG model. Right. Whereas there's like a woman in it who's like not a famous person. She's just a woman. And she looks almost real because there's nothing for you to base that face. I mean, you all, you know everything about Kevin Spacey. Just. I know what you mean. So his mouth moves slightly wrong. You're like, oh, that looks weird. So, yeah, the story was really good. Um, only thing I can say about the story, negative, is it's what happens, what you think is going to happen, happens, like, from the beginning. So I don't know if that is good storytelling because it's really predictable the entire way through. But it's not really about the how predictable it is. It's about the ride that you go on on the way and there's some really incredible, like, moments, you know, where you're like, wow, I'm going to get to do this now. There's a part where... And this is like how outrageous um, Call of Duty has got. There's no controversial parts in it this time. They didn't go for that. They just went for a fun kind of action movie. But there's a part where you're in you're in a wingsuit. If you've ever seen those things, those wingsuits, like on Tomb Raider, yes. on the Tomb Raider sequel, um, they fly out of a plane in some wingsuits. They fly down towards some other plane, this enemy plane that's flying. And they need to take this enemy plane because it's got something inside it that they need. So they fly on wingsuits, two, two guys. Well, you're, you're actually doing this. One lands on one wing, one lands on the other wing. You fasten this device, like a magnetic device, to the wing on both sides. A laser comes out and cuts both wings off. So the plane now has no wings and it's just a fuselage that starts to drop. And then your plane comes in and just magnetic and picks up the fuselage and just carries it to safety. So it's like, if you've seen the opening scene to um, the third Batman film, which is an awesome... Do you remember that? In the plane where Bane's inside the plane and the plane goes... Yes, yes. It's like that, really. It's like that scenario where it's like, wow, that's an interesting way to remove a plane from the sky and nobody know about it. So they do that, you know. But it's outrageous. There's like There's stuff like that all the way through it. Um, I've also been playing a new Vita game called Freedom Wars. And you want to explain the premise of Freedom Wars, because you do know it. I do, roughly. I mean, maybe superficially. And it's an awesome premise. I kind of like your samurai ponytail, by the way, today. <laughs> um, it's not it's not high up enough, but it looks like a samurai, for some reason, warrior thing. Yeah. Um, the premise is, it's the future. The society is... Built around the idea that every single person has to be productive in some way. You have to produce and um, contribute. Every single person. If you don't, or whatever crime you think you... Whatever crime... Your crime could be anything, right? Even on the outside. That's why you get sent to prison. Once you're in prison, you Everybody start with like a million years in prison. Because now you have to stay in there and you get missions that can take years off your sentence. However, in the meantime... You're in your cell, you're standing up, you get tired, you sit down, you get fined a hundred years more in prison because you sat down. And it's not productive. Later, yeah, you later you can earn I, whatever you say. You earn, um, you earn a way to be able to sit down for ten minutes or whatever. Yeah, there are uh, entitlement passes. And it's everything. You can't walk more than three paces at a can't time. Can't sneeze, can't... Right. So they're entitled. You can't talk to certain people, you can't get close to your little helper person. Can't get close to the opposite sex. You can't, because that might... And all that happens is you get more and more and more years piled on your sentence. Yeah, so you start with a million years and it hovers above your head so everybody can see your sentence. It's like a a holographic display because it's the future. Um, 
But also, the world is being invaded by these beasts, monsters. They're taking all... They're stealing resources and actually stealing people. So a lot of your missions are to go and get this beast, and the beast, they carry the people inside them, and they use them as a fuel. you got to get the people back or get some of these natural resources back that these things are taking from the world. And then you'll get some money knocked off, uh, some money, some years knocked off your sentence. And then you can, you know, after each one, you can go and buy the right to have a sleep. So you... Right. But at first, you've got the right to nothing. You've not even got the right to step. So the miles start piling up. Yeah, so... I mean, the years. I've actually started to knock years off now by doing missions. But I'm still, like, 900 and... I'm not, I've not got past 900,000 yet. I'm still 900,020-something. So it's going to take a while. But it's really interesting. It's an interesting story and an interesting premise. You know, like, The Hunger Games is an interesting premise. It's that kind of style of just being, like, suppressed by somebody and trying to break out of it, you know? I'm assuming... I'll, well, I'm hoping at the end of this game, I my sentence is cut. But then, you know, what's going to happen? Because things are happening. You know, there's been some spanners thrown in the work along the way. So that's Freedom Wars. It's a, a PlayStation Vita exclusive. And what's cool is it works on the PlayStation TV as well. So I've been playing it on the television, also on the Vita. And, you know, you play it on the television and you do some and then you put it in the Vita and it just picks up where you left off. It's like seamless. It is cool. So you can just play it wherever you want. So I, it's just awesome. But that that is one of the reasons the PSTV is a good idea, I think. Because even you said, oh, you walked past when I was playing it on the TV and you were like, wow, you wouldn't even think that was made for a small screen because it just looks like a video game. It doesn't look like it's just a mobile game blown up onto a big screen. It just looks like a PlayStation game. So that's Freedom Wars. And that's out now. It's awesome. Um, it's Japanese, by the way. You've got to like Japanese subtitles because all the dialogue's in Japanese and it's got subtitles. But don't let that put you off because it's a cool game anyway. If you're a fan of something like Final Fantasy or Monster Hunter, it's that kind of game. Uh, and finally, uh, Android was updated this week to Android Lollipop. Um, only on Google's devices at the moment, Nexus devices. And I happen to have a Nexus 7 and I updated mine. And I really like it so far. They were touting that it was the, a massive upgrade or a massive difference from Android KitKat. But that's not really that true. Just superficially. Super, it, it looks a lot nicer because they've like tidied things up and made menus look nice. And um, But functionality wise, it's the same. Uh, there's a thing in it now called Battery Saver and it does work. I tried it out yesterday. If I take my tablet off the charger and just, you know, use it throughout the day. Pick it up, check my email, that, those kind of normal use. It lasts two days, normally, my tablet. It can, you know, which is a, a round of use, like eight hours of use. You know, bits, turning it on, turning it off, turning it on, turning it off. It actually lasts nine hours now with this battery saver. And what this battery saver does, when your battery gets to 30%. You actually timed it? Yeah, it, well, I didn't time it, but it has a thing. If you go in Android now, it has a thing and shows you what your battery's doing at all times. It has the times of day, and here's when Wi-Fi was on, here's when it was off, here's when you had the screen on, here's when it was off. And you can look. And now it lasts nine hours instead of eight. But the reason being, when it gets to 30% battery now, the new feature of Android, it automatically does it. You don't have to do anything. It turns off checking for your email, 
checking for Facebook messages. It just stops doing all that until you turn the screen on. So in the background, when it's closed, it's not doing it. And that saves loads of battery because your Wi-Fi isn't yeah. doing stuff. And it works. It saves like an hour. An hour doesn't seem like much, but I guess if you've got it on a phone and you use your phone all day and before you get home from work, your phone's usually dead. Your phone yeah. might last just that one extra hour, you know. So, yeah, that's Android Lollipop. It's If you've got a Nexus device, you already upgraded because it would have automatically upgraded to it. But it's coming to every Android device over the next few months. Even your HP touchpad is going to get it very soon. So, um, that's Android Lollipop. So, uh, Sito, what's for dinner? Tonight will be the standard. I'm going to a my own little version of a Broadway show. <laughs> the High School Fall Musical, which my nephew, our nephew is in as a dastardly bad guy. It is Beauty and the Beast, and he plays... We watched it. Monsieur Dark. Yes. Dark, however you say his last name. Um, and I'm going again tonight. So before that, I can either make your separate... This is a con- con- discussion we have to have. I can either make it before I go, but I'm going before seven. I can make I can make it um, That's true. before you come back. That's true. I mean, I'll get it ready and then... Let's tell everybody. It it's a very long play. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit it's long. Like three hours and 15 yeah. minutes. That was amazing. I didn't expect that long. I didn't either. I love it. Don't get me wrong. And I'm excited to see it again because each time I go to multiple Maybe it's shorter tonight? Maybe they... I don't know. They're going to be so tired, these kids. Holy shit. But um, it's a long one. There's lots of songs. Um, The girl who sings as Belle and Gaston, they're both... I think they're really good. It was good. the highest quality... We've seen a lot of high school plays over the years with our nephew. Mm-hmm. And that was the highest quality one I've yeah, seen. Yeah, but that's because they bought the whole package deal from somebody. Yeah, I no, don't, I, no, I, don't. I actually mean in terms of performances too. They were pretty solid. They were really some of good. the performances, some, some, you know, there was some. Yeah, yeah. There was okay. a live orchestra, for yeah. instance, Down under, the pit. in the pit, <laughs> which, which was slightly out of tune on occasion. <laughs> but you, you know, it's high school kids, and there were some people who, you know, microphone issues and yep. stuff. But aside from that, it was pretty high quality. You know, singing was really good. For some was people. really good. Yeah. Like, like. You would go, wow, that girl could go on to Broadway now and sing. Absolutely. Like, he was total, and he's really animated, yeah. the guy who did the guest Like that quality. And the Beast, honestly, I'm yeah. excited to see him do his thing again, because he was really, when he started singing, it had everyone had that moment of like, oh, yeah. God, because he had that, like really, uh, that was good, but you know what I mean. Shocking. One person, as we were walking out, said, are you sure that Beast wasn't a 30-year-old man? So, you know. And the only trouble I had was our nephew was in it. He was only in it. He was in it very, it's a pretty small part. Yeah. But he didn't have a microphone. Like, and when we asked him, he said, no, I didn't have a microphone. And he had to, there was, he had to sing and speak. Yep. And it was difficult to hear what he was saying. He's a very humble person because he doesn't care about that. He doesn't care about what role he gets. No. But he always seems to get... Not a pivotal role, but always an interesting role. Like but he did didn't, the guy in the wheelchair. I said your one. microphone wasn't turned on, and he said I didn't have one. Yeah, and I said, <laughs> what role did you try it for? And he goes, it didn't matter to me. Like, yeah. he, he could have been Gaston. He could have been the Beast. Yeah. He could have been any of those with the singing and the big part. But he tried out, or whatever, and that's, they gave him, because he's very good at these sort of cartoony, da- he rubs Thick his hands together and raises his shoulders up and his body kind of gets all sleazy so it's, he was good so I'm looking forward to that time. I'm going to sit closer so I can hear him better so basically if you're going to make it it'll be burger potato and peas and carrots and if I look back it's the same thing we've had for the last three Saturday uh, movie days but it's fantastic so why not and my advice it's blank as you can see I don't know what to advise go people. to a musical <laughs> 
No, because I wouldn't go if it wasn't for a family reason. Um, play more board games. Actual physical board games. My mom and I played two quick games of Yahtzee today. And you may not consider Yahtzee a board game, but I mean that kind of game. A Monopoly, Yahtzee, Boggle, Scrabble. Those are our main ones that we've played in our family. And it's like, it's not like anything else you do. We've played Scrabble online with each other. That's fun too. Yeah, that's fine. It's not got the equal kind of experience, though. So, we got the dice, we got the table, we're the done. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. I need my threes. Starting to take a full house. You're cheating. You t- you flick that dice. No, I didn't. This is me talking to my mother, because she likes to... Claims she doesn't cheat. But she'll roll the dice, and if I'm looking away, and then she picks them up real quick, and then she goes, well, that's 34 in my chance. I'm like, are you sure? I didn't see your dice. Or your die. Whatever. No, you're combining. No, no, it was. I said, yeah, but I didn't see. Oh, no, no, it was. <laughs> I um, I really like chess. That's my favorite board game. Yeah, and playing it in person, face to face. Yeah, it's different. Definitely. It is different. So if you have the opportunity, I say, drag out those board games if you still have them. You know, it used to be when I was a kid and you went to someone's house, there was a closet in the house with a shelf. And on that shelf was a stack or two stacks of games. You had Operation and Scrabble and Monopoly always and Life and Trivial Candyland. Pursuit was one Pursuit. we always had. That wasn't around until we were teenagers. But um, I'm talking about when you are a kid in the 70s. Trivial Pursuit didn't come out. Yeah, we definitely 80s. had Monopoly and Cluedo. Yeah, we had, well, here it wasn't Cluedo. It's Clue. But yeah, yeah, that kind of... You unfold the board and you get out all the pieces and everybody sits down and you have your drinks and your food and you just sit there for like five hours. But now that could be why some people don't have the patience for it. But you don't focus on the game necessarily. Monopoly does on drag on sometimes. Yeah, but you focus on the whole of it, you know? Yeah. And so I say that's my advice. Play more in life, touchable, tangible board games. Not with yourself. It doesn't count if you play Monopoly alone. And you no. <laughs> yeah. Now there's electronic banking Monopoly now that has no paper money. So you get a little thing, a little thing that has, and you, get, you just get a credit card, a debit card, and you put it there's in the little device, Monopoly, and it, it goes dunk and it debits your account. Right. You put in there what you bought, which is cool. It's not the same. But it's not the same. You want money, don't you? Well, I like my debit card, so I'd like to try it. Partial, part One of the fun things when I was a kid playing Monopoly was having all those different colored monies in my hand. It was like, yeah, I got loads of it, you know. Plus, you'd have to ask the person in charge of the bank how much money you have all the time. Yeah. Unless, I think. I unless don't know. Unless the computer thing does it. I know, but they are in control of it. True. There's one card swiper. And right. The, there's a banker, isn't there, always? And yeah. so the banker would have that. So... Play more board games. All right, so I'll remind you about our website, sayschoolie.com, sidtalk.com. You can catch us on social networks, Twitter and Facebook. You can also catch this podcast on stitcher.com, itunes.com, or use the iTunes app, or use your iPhone or whatever I thing you've got. You can also just go to aschoolie.com, click on the word podcast, and there's an RSS feed, etc. You can email feedback to me at aschoolie at aschoolie.com. Don't email sidtalk, she doesn't want to know. Stay classy, Mr. Clint Eastwood. We've said this before. You've said it before. But yeah, classy, always. And I'm going to say, think for yourselves, because if you don't do it, someone's going to do it for you. Bye.